usually don't do this, but I'm going to do it this morning. And all I'm going to do and, and is just read some scriptures, read the scriptures through so that we, as we read it together and we see it, we're going to see um, the reality of what Christ in his person has done and what he's accomplished and how it, is, it so deeply involves us and how in, in every single scripture, I mean every word, every single scripture that we have is so full <laughs> of meaning beyond, just beyond anything. But I'm going to read the scriptures and maybe I'll, I'll share a little bit on each one. But mostly I'm just going to read the scriptures and you know what? They're all in our Bibles. <laughs> and honestly, you can take those just like I did, because they're, they're mine and they're yours, they're yours and they're mine. And we can take them, and the Holy Spirit can be a beautiful guide just to reveal to us uh, what we have. I'm going to start with 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to read through there, and I'm going to do a lot of reading of Scriptures. Because you know what the Scriptures do? When we understand the person of Christ and what he's accomplished. You know what they do? They speak for themselves. And we need, we need, of course, we need to be taught. But they do speak for themselves. Here's 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brother, I brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. You notice that right away of the gospel. That's the full gospel, right? That's, of course, it begins with telling someone and receiving Christ as their Savior, but it's the full gospel. That's what he said. The gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and you notice they receive it, and then what's the result? Wherein you stand. You stand immovable. By which also you are saved, and you will keep on. Really, the original says you'll keep on being delivered, right? If you keep in memory, if it's kept in your memory, what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Notice that. He's not above anybody. He's not below him. Well, he can be, he can be below him. Apostles, in one sense, the way that God used them are, are below us, the way he used them. If I understand 1 Corinthians 4.9, he said us apostles last. And that's like what a pastor does and an apostle. There are no more apostles, but there are pastors. And what they do is they lay their life down in that sense so that others can walk over on through them. They're like a bridge. Walk over on them to Christ. So I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received. How that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of about five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep, meaning their bodies. Again, this is not teaching soul sleep. There's no such thing as that in the scriptures at all, ever, because death 
Yeah, um, and we, we'll get into that at a different time, but their body sleeps waiting to be, wait, and they're waiting for their new, brand new bodies. Again, that's brought out in Philippians 3 and verse 21. Those are for those that are in Christ. Their body just sleeps. It's like a sleep, right? After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And this is what Paul says, and last of all, he was seen of me as one born out of due time. What it's saying there, really, it's almost like he was an abortion. He came out early. And what he's saying here is, as a Jew, it's at, the, at the first resurrection for the Jews in millennial reign, they're going to be raised up as the nation. But he's saying, God got, got me early. <laughs> it put me in the body of Christ. But last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, and I'm not meet, I'm not qualified to be called an apostle. Is any of us qualified for anything? Is there any qualifications in ourselves? None. Because I persecuted the church, but separated <laughs> immediately. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace was bestowed upon me, that was bestowed upon me, it was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, and here it is again, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so you believe. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and so your, and your faith is also in vain. Yea, of course, and we have found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. Okay? And if Christ... Be not raised, your faith, your absolute dependence in him that involves so much. Your faith in, 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 is vain, and you are yet in your sins. Then they which also are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Notice that? Perished. Well, they, they would be annihilated. Of course, and we know there's no such doctrine in all the scriptures. And by the way, those things are flying around today. This whole sleep and, and universalism and annihilationism, those things are flying all over the place. But those things were years and years and years and years, centuries ago even, centuries ago, and really, really brought up and taught as early as the early 1800s. So it's nothing new. The enemy doesn't have anything new. He really doesn't. Now, if... In this life only, we have hope in Christ. <laughs> we are all, we are all, of mo all of men, of all of them, we are most miserable. Right? But now is Christ risen from the dead, and he's become the first fruits of them that slept. He, the first fruits of all those, again, this is referring to believers that are in Christ. Their spirit, if they've died, their spirit and soul, in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 7, return unto God who gave it. Their body goes back to the dust, because in Genesis 2, 7, created from the dust, right? 
created from the dust, and in the dust, in Genesis 3.19, you return, but the body rests there for believers, for believers only. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ will all be made alive. Okay, now, it's talking about the resurrection here. How important is that for us? It has to do with everything. His resurrection has to do with everything about, about who Christ is and his person towards us and the accomplishment of his work. It involves so very, 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 very much. But we're going to go through those scriptures and we're going to do that in this, this morning. And we're going to go right to Matthew 28. Now we're going to see in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, we're going to get the full picture of the resurrection, the resurrection scene. Some would think, and that obviously, that that aren't taught properly and that need to be, and we all need to be continually taught properly. But some would think in these different, in the synoptics, in the synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then there's the gospel of John. And some think when they give these accounts, they're contradicting one another. When in reality, they're given the full picture. That's all they're doing. And uh, so here we are in Matthew, the 28th chapter. And this is, when we read these things, they are so incredible. And I'm just going to tell you, just the way I got them this morning, just reading the scriptures, not going to a source, not doing anything, just reading the scriptures and allowing the Holy Spirit to take the things of Christ in John 16, 13 and 14, and to show them unto me personally. Matthew 28, verse 1, it says, in the end of the Sabbath. Thank God, right? The end of the Sabbath. Jesus rose. He put an end to the Sabbath. He put an end to works. He put an end to any kind of works whatsoever. Thank God for that. See that right there? In the end of the Sabbath. As it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. Okay, the Sabbath, as we've known, is celebrated on Saturdays. The Jews did that. The Seventh-day Adventists falsely do that. Okay, they worship on a Saturday because they're still in a works program. They're still in the Sabbath system of fleshly works, which don't amount to a single thing. And it, so it began to, to dawn toward the first day of the week. The first day of the week we can see in Acts, the second chapter. The first day of the week is Sunday. Not the last day, by the way. The scriptures, God, his mind, his word, tells us that Sunday is the first day of the week. And that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. He went in to heaven sent the Holy Spirit down, which was the promise in John 14, 16, and 17, that the Holy Spirit, at that time, prior to his death, was dwelling in him, in that sense, with them. And that's where he said, he that has been with you will now be in you, because he went up and sent him down. That's when the church was formed. Many think that the church was formed, and, and further down in the book of Acts, the scriptures and the preponderance of it make it very clear that it happened in Acts, the second chapter. There's no question about it. Holy Spirit didn't need Paul to establish the church. He did it long before 
Paul, and some would say otherwise, and they'll get into Acts, the ninth chapter, that's when it happened, the 13th, the 22nd, or the 26th chapter. Fact of the matter is, is that's when it happened. So the first day of the week is Sunday. Came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Notice, the angel rolled back the stone. Was Christ already out of that tomb? Did that stone keep him out? Could the law, that stone, that hard law, could that keep him out from accomplishing only what he would do? No. The angel rolled back the stone and sat upon it. (laughs) His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. You're getting a picture of an angel reflecting the very glory of its creator. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake. These are some tough Romans, the big boys of the day. And they're shaking in their sandals. I almost said boots. They were shaking in their sandals. Okay. And became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, weren't even speaking to them, said unto the woman, fear not you. What does the resurrection teach us? No fear for those that are in him. No fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of, but of power and love and a sound mind in 2 Timothy 1.7. There is no fear in love because love that's been perfected through what Christ has done in his person and work casts out fear because fear has what? It has torment in 1 John 4.18. So the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Verse 6. He is not here. Wouldn't you like to tell those covenant theologians, those lordship salvationists, even in sense, those universalists and annihilationists and soul-sleepy people, he is not here. He is not in death. Furthermore, death never took him in John 10, 17, and 18, he, death never took him. He gave himself over to it. And he did not die. And when he spoke those seven things on the cross, and the final one, one of them in John 19, 30, when he said it is finished, was not dying as a weak and wounded and overcome Savior. He was out saying, it is finished <laughs> in John 19, 30. It is finished. He is not here for he's risen. As he said, Come. See the place. Notice that, the place. How many times have we mentioned place recently? How many times have we talked about identity, position? How many times? And those words, in and of. How many different places and times God has had us uh, and, and, and taught us? Come see the place where the Lord lay. See, there's a place. God has a place for everything. Everything. He has a place for every single thing in our lives in Christ. Then then he said, and go quickly. Don't take your time. Go quickly. And tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he goes before you. Notice that? Into Galilee. You mean just he just went before them into Galilee? Or has he not gone way ahead of us in everything? 
Hmm? He calls us to go to a certain place. Why? Because he's already there waiting for us. And not only that, he goes with us. He goes with us. And then he's already there long before we are into Galilee. And when you do that, there you'll see him. And you'll see him when you and I realize that truly he has gone before us. And every single thing we would face, every circumstance, every situation, every single trial, he's gone before us. And then when we understand that, we receive the truth of it, we begin to see him. And of course, when we see him as those that are his, we see who we are in him. And, and that's a beautiful thing. And then it says, into Galilee, there you will see him, lo, I've told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear, with a reverence, by the way, that's the word reverence, and great joy and did run. No, they didn't take their time to tell. They didn't take their sweet time. They ran to bring his disciples the word. They ran. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, all hail. And they came and held him by the feet. And there's a reason why, of course. There's a reason why uh, Mary sat at his feet. And we see that picture in Luke 10, 38 to 42. There's a reason. Because those feet were the feet that were pierced. They walked where none of us could walk. And of course, they held him by the feet and worshipped him. And then said Jesus unto them, Oh boy, when you see his feet, when you see everything that he's done for you and I, and this has to do with the resurrection, what, what, when, and then when we see him and when we fall at his feet and worship him, when he's our worship and we're not worshiping another thing, guess what? We're not afraid. Be not afraid. And go tell my others. Go tell my brethren. We tell it to each other. That they go into Galilee and there they'll see me. God calls us to a proper place. That place is proper because God called us. We go to that place and then we begin to see him in a way we've never seen him before. And we're going to continue to do that. Verse 11, now they were going... Now when they were going, behold, some of, of the watch came into the city and showed the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders, these are the Jewish elders ruling the rulers, and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the, unto the shoulder, soldiers, saying, say this, his disciples came by night and stole him away while, he, while we slept. You know that lies continue to this day in so many other ways with false doctrines? In so many other ways. It is amazing. It is amazing to me the depths of deception and wickedness, how low it will go. Oh boy, and don't be surprised, and I won't be surprised when we don't listen to Christ and when we don't obey him, how low the enemy can bring us, way below our position, and then accuse us and condemn us. He, he will take us as low as he can. In our experience, can't touch our position. Can't do it. With this counsel, saying his disciples came at night, stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took money. Notice that. Notice that. See? Power and money. <laughs> they took money. See that? 
and did as they were taught. They were bribed, and they taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until what? This day. You don't think so? Go to Jerusalem. They're still under the old covenant. They're at the wailing wall, and they're wailing, thinking their prayers are going to accomplish something in terms of bringing Moshiach, Messiah, back. To this day, in teaching and, and false doctrines about who we are in Christ, his person, and it's an attack on his person. And if you can attack his person, you can discredit his work. That goes on today, to this very day. Then the 11 disciples went, a, went away into Galilee, into a mountain, listen to this, where Jesus had appointed them. Ah, let's just blow by that. No, Jesus told them, be in this specific place. And when you come, I'll be there. Isn't that interesting? Oh, boy. Let's just blow through the scriptures. And when they saw him, because they came and they were obedient, when they saw him, they worshiped him. But you know what? Look what it says. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, all power. All authority, power there is authority, it's exousia. That's what it means. Exousia means it is he has all this power, ability, control, right, privilege. That's what that word exousia means. Power. All power, all exousia is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Who's like him in heaven now? Anyone like him in heaven? It's only one, the God-man, Christ. Anyone like him in the earth? No. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, the nature of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe some things, whatever they choose, whatever they feel like choosing, teaching them all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even unto the end of the world, mean the world's going to end, or does it mean age? This particular age. See, we need to interpret properly the scriptures to get a full understanding. Now we're going to turn to Mark. Mark. Okay. And we have to go all the way to the end of Mark. Keep in mind, Mark was written by John Mark, but Peter, the apostle Peter, was the one who gave him all this information to write down. <laughs> Very interesting. Now, here is 16, verse 1 of Mark. And when the Sabbath was passed, yay, we can say that, right? You imagine if you were disobedient back then under the old covenant and you continued in disobedience? Huh? Stoning. <laughs> you lived in continual sin? Stoning, stoning, yes. Oh, boy. No more fleshly works, no more, no more of that, no more trying, no. The Sabbath was passed. Why? Because of the resurrection. And Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they may come and anoint him. Who are they, who are they searching for? A dead Christ. How many Christians today save but search and continue to search, try to find out, and all they come up with, because they don't know, is what? A dead Christ. And they're going to do their best to maybe help him. So they were coming to do this. And look what it says, verse 2. 
Oh, look at this one. For all you late sleepers. And very early in the morning. Mm-mm. The first day of the week. What's the first day of the week? Sunday. Sunday. The first day of the week. Why is that so important? Why do we meet on a Sunday? Exclusively. That's when Jesus rose from the dead. And, and, and began his church. That, his church that you and I are. That church in Matthew 16, 18, he said, upon this rock, that rock himself, I will build my church future. And the gates of hell, all the powers of hell will not prevail against it. Thank God for our Savior. Thank God for the resurrection. Thank God for the resurrection because the resurrection will prove two things. Number one, our sins are dealt with because of God the Father's complete and utter satisfaction to his highest glory. First of all. And second of all, again, as we said in Acts 17.31, there's, there's a day of judgment coming. Not for us, thank God, because we're in him. But a day of judgment is coming. Just like it is fast approaching in our country, as we've said before, because judgment begins in 1 Peter 4.17 in the house of God, just like judgment began in Israel in Jeremiah, in, in Jeremiah 9 and verse 25. So here it is. The first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher. What's the sepulcher? It's a place of death. But could death hold Christ our life? No. No. He only used death to bring us, bring out himself as his life, as our life. And the life, first and foremost, to his father and to us as the sacrifice. They came unto the sepulcher. Look what it says. At the rising of the sun. Boy, what does that mean? Immediately, when I, re when I read that verse, God said to me, now I want you to read this. Read 2 Peter. Again, I'm just giving it to you way, the way that God gave me the scriptures this morning. In, in 2 Peter 1, in verse 19, it says this, we have, who's we? Everyone in the Bible? Are us the church that's in Christ? Is there a difference between uh, the Jews, the nation of Israel, and the church? Is there a difference in the scriptures? Night and day. We do not have a Judeo-Christian heritage. We have a Christian heritage that has nothing to do with Judaism because as we saw, who was the Sabbath for? The Jews. Is the Sabbath past? Is it gone? What did they go by? Did they go by the law in Exodus uh, 23 and 17. Yes, but is Christ the end of the law for righteousness to us who believe in Romans 10, 4? No question about it. So we see in 2 Peter 1, 19, we, the church, also have a more sure word of prophecy. Remember, the Bible is two-thirds prophetic. There's all kinds of prophecy in the Bible. But you and I, as the, every person here this morning has a more sure word has a more sure word, it says, of prophecy. What is it? Whereunto you do well, listen to this, you do well to take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place. How many Christians today are confused? Making statements, it's a possibility, I'm not sure. That's a dark place. The light hasn't dawned yet. 
the light of Christ in his finished work and really what that means in terms of even being separated from the old covenant and not taking the old covenant, the old covenant, the old testament, infusing it into the new. Never mind the kingdom teaching. When Jesus was teaching those synoptic gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that was kingdom teaching. We can glean things out of them, and we should, but it has nothing to do with us as a church. It was spoken to the Jews at that time. They were not to go unto any other than the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That is Matthew 15 and verse 24. Okay? We learn and glean things, but there's a major difference. How many truly, 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 truly understand the, diff- the, the uh, amazing, distinct difference? We also have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawn. The day dawn. <sighs> How many days does Christ dawn on us? his person and his work, his accomplishments, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. That's Christ. Notice that? So again, that was what? They came unto the sepulcher, and just just beginning, the place of death where they sought a dead Christ was the sun began to rise. (laughs) And in type, hopefully, this is us. You remember what Jesus said in John 12, 35 and 36? A little while you have the light. And while you have it, believe in it, lest the darkness come upon you. You'll see that in those verses there. Again, and they said among themselves, listen to what they said, who, who, who will roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? They were looking towards each other. They were looking inwardly. They were looking towards each other and said, who will roll the stone away from the door, the place of death? Who's going to do that? Did did Christ, when he rose from the dead, did he even have to roll it away? Or did he pass right through? He passed right through. We'll see it in John, the 20th chapter. Remember the disciples were there for fear of the Jews? 120, they were in the upper room. They were afraid of the Jews, the religious, murderous crowd, those that sought to kill him. In John 18 and verse 40, they said, not this man. You know how many say that today? Unbelievers, wicked doctrines, things that aren't true about his nature, his character, his essence, and about the accomplishment of his work. They say, not this man. Then they say, and like they said, and it's still true today, Crucify him in John 19, 15. Murder him, crucify him. Get him out. Get him out. Well, who's going to roll away the door of the stone? Well, you know who's the door? Who's our door in John 10, 7 and 9? Who's our door? And we can go in and out freely through him. We can go in, be fed, come out, and, and not only be fed, but feed, feed others as his sheep in type. And some don't even like to be called sheep. Some would say, and some hyper-spiritualists and hyper-spiritualists will say, we're not sheep. No, never said we were. We're like them. <laughs> we're like sheep. Raise some, and you'll find out soon how just how much 
They can be like you and me. Okay? Who's going to do it? Well, and when they looked and saw that the stone was rolled away, it was already, for it was very great. It was impossible. It was impossible to be moved. Okay? And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in long white raiment, and they were horrified. (laughs) Frightened is nice, really, you know. They were horrified. They were like, (laughs) horrified. Absolutely horrified, right? That's an angel. He was sitting on the right side. You see the right side all through the Bible, scrolls of scriptures. That's where Christ is now seated. Seated at the right side, the right throne of God, and how the right hand speaks of absolute perfect acceptance and glory and approval of Christ and you and I in him. Right side in the Bible. Sitting on the right side, and they were horrified. And he said unto them, what? Stop being horrified. (laughs) Stop it. What are you afraid of? Okay. Christians, what are we afraid of? Is there any fear in love in 1 John 4, 18? Okay. All right. He said unto them, the messenger, stop being horrified. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Did you see that? There was a particular place. Joseph of Arimathea. Okay, there was, he, he had hewed out a tomb and stone. That was the specific place that God chose. Does God do anything arbitrarily? Does he? Not a single thing. And none of the scriptures are either. They are chock full of meaning. Stop being afraid. He is risen. He's not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter. And I love when it says that. He said, tell, tell all those. And, but tell Peter. Oh, he's going to need it. Because he betrayed him. And he did it. He did it. Probably like we can do. More than three times. He betrayed him. But go your way and tell the disciples and Peter. Tell him, Peter, go tell him. Basically, Peter, it's not over. It's only just beginning. There's a new day. The old's gone. Everything's new in him. In 2 Corinthians 5, uh, old things have passed away. 5, 16 and 17. Behold, all things are new. Jesus said in Revelations 21, verse 5, write these things. And God wants them indelibly written upon us. And the only way that can happen is when the Holy Spirit takes what Christ in his person and his work has accomplished and write it on our hearts. Write these words because they're true and faithful. They're true and they're faithful. Go tell Peter that he goes before you. You know when it says here in this particular scripture in Mark 16, uh, verse 7, when it says he goes before you, Peter, he's gone before you. And Peter in Revelations and and John 21, 3 to 18, starting at verse 3, you're going to be backslidden because you think it's over and you're going to go fishing. He's just going to go back to the old because as far as you're concerned, it's over. It's over for you. And so how many Christians think that? How many Christians have taught that? They think, you know, it's over. But know something, Peter? He's going to be on the shore waiting for you. 
You're going to be out all night. And you can't get what you deeply need. And you're going to be all, you're going to be out there all night. But Christ is going to tell him, Peter, throw your head on the right side. Uh-huh. Throw it on the right side. There's where your supply is. That's where I'm seated in type. And that's where you'll see your satisfaction. The place of God's satisfaction is me, his son. I did it all to him and for you. That's where you're going to find your satisfaction. And you won't until you find your proper place in him. And we have a specific place that's in Christ. There you will see him as he said unto you. Jesus has said unto us, listen, I go to prepare a what in John 14, 3? A place for you. I don't know, is that some room, some castle in the sky? Or does that have to do with the depth of our intimate fellowship in him that no one else will have as it's brought out in Revelations chapter 2 and verse 17? Boy, oh boy. Can you imagine living in a big, huge castle and all by yourself, but the one that you love most is not there and the one that loves you the most, of course, and we love him because he first loved us in First John 4 19. What would the place be? What would it be? What is anything to us on this earth without him? Well, as he said unto you, and that's why Jesus said in John 13, 19 and 14, 27, he said, I tell you these things before they come to pass, that not if, but when they come to pass, you might believe. You might believe. Yeah, you're going to believe. Because I'm telling you those. I've told you these. And how many times has God told us things before? We're going to see two more words in the scripture. Other than in and of. It's before and after. And they all deal with specific time periods. We don't have the time to go into that this morning. But they, they deal with specific time periods. And in Psalm 31, verse 15, our times are in his hand, the before and the after, because in Revelations 1, 8, 11, and 17, he's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's, he, is, he is the beginning of our end. Isn't that awesome? He's the first and the last. And there's time periods for those things. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. They are overwhelmed. Neither, neither said they anything to anyone, for they were afraid. No, they were completely overwhelmed with this. Now, when Jesus was risen, and notice this, early. You know, the Bible talks about early all through the scriptures. Did you know that? Early. It's not just talking about early in the morning, although that's key in the scriptures, by the way. Honestly, the, honestly, I have found, in, just me personally, in my 46 years, most of my, the depth of my study is in the morning. Freshness, first time. Morning. Proverbs 8, 17. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early will find me. They had to get up early. Remember in Exodus, the 16th chapter, the manna came down. They had to get up early in the morning, bend low, humble themselves, and they could take as much as they wanted. Do you know you can have as much of the word as you want? Did you know that? I don't know. Is it important? I don't know. Is Christ the word? 
And, he, and how important is he? Early, the first day of the week, there it is again, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons, devils and one devil, many demons. And she went and told them that that had been, that she had been with him, and, and as they mourned and wept. I don't know, did Jesus tell them he was going to do something? That he was going to rise? I don't know, did God tell us he was going to do certain things? Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie. Now the Son of Man that ever he should change his mind, has he not said? And will he not do it? Has he not spoken? And will he not bring it to pass? He's the only one. Well, Jesus was risen again. But they were they, their hopes were over. Did you ever feel like that? Certain things didn't come to pass when you thought they should be, and it was over for you? Maybe you fell into, and God forbid. You fell into the grossest sins as a believer and you thought it was over for you? You thought it was over? Well, did you mourn and weep? Well, they were searching for a dead Christ. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, in other words, she's telling them, I saw him. I saw him. Look it, and had, had been seen of her, believed not. I don't know, the preacher, the pastor gets up, preaches words. I don't believe him. Maybe for you, but not for me. They don't believe him. They stop believing. You know, Romans 14, 22, happy is the man that condemns not himself in the thing that he allows. That's right. 14, 23, and he that doubts is damned if he eat. What does it mean? What does damned mean? It's evil. God damns evil. Is there any evil in us that Christ hasn't dealt with? And he that doubts is damned if he eat because he eats not of faith. Whatsoever is not of faith is what? Sin. What is sin? Psalm 51 verse 4. It's evil. Any evil in us? Is there? Does God see us that way? No. Anyone else see us that way? Who cares? <laughs> Don't give it place. Don't come out of your place experientially and give that place. After that, he appeared in another form. This is Mark 16, verse 12. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked, right, and went into the country. That's the two that were walking on the road to Emmaus. Isn't that very interesting? When we see Emmaus, Emmaus means, you know, that they were wandering. How many Christians are wandering? They have no direction. They have, they have no understanding. They have no precise teaching. And they wander in this earth. Why? Well, for one, for one reason, God forbid those that can get it and can have it don't value it enough to put it number one in their schedule? But multitudes don't have this. We were sharing yesterday um, with, um, uh, uh, with the men. What we have is so incredible. What we have. It's just incredible that what we have together. It's so amazing. Okay? They didn't believe. And he appeared in another form. Those were the two. 
And you see that in Luke 24, verse 13. Those were the two, and they were on the road to Damascus. And that's when he, Emmaus, I should say, and that's when he began to talk to them. They still didn't even recognize him. Finally, they did. You'll see that in Luke, the 24th chapter. But that explains Mark 16, verse 13. Afterwards, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief. What is unbelief a result of? Look what it says, hardness of heart. Hardness of heart. You can't convince me of that. No, you can't convince me of that. Hardness of heart. We know what a hard heart does in Hebrews 12 and verse 15. Many become defiled, becomes a bitterness. Anger turned inward and become bitter. And a whole life is dealing with that bitterness. Could be about self, could it be about what others think. Has nothing to do with who you are and the place that you're in, and that is in Christ. Okay? They went into the country. They went into a far country. They were going further and further away from him. They, and, and they went and told it unto the residue. They, you're going to see it in Luke the 24th chapter. Again, they went and told him, Well, we saw him. He's alive. Neither believed they them. <laughs> Afterwards he appeared. Unto the eleven, as they sat at meat, he upbraided them because of the hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. How many don't believe the word? Because they don't see him, but we do. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears they hear. And in 1 Peter 1 8, whom having not seen, we love. Whom having not seen, we love. And as we begin to wrap this up here, And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every single creature. Now we do, every one of us has that commission. We can be a a messenger, an ambassador in 2 Corinthians 5.20. Okay, now we're almost done. How long are we taking? Oh, we're taking long. Oh dear. Hmm. Oh well. Sorry. Not sorry. Okay. Luke 24, again, we explained all of that, right? You can read it for yourself because we're going to hurry along here and finish it up. But you'll see the connection of all the scriptures here, okay? And we're going to see this in John, the 20th chapter. John 20. John 20, verse 1. The first day of the week came Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark. Right? Very, very. She came early. She came as far as she could with what she understood, but it was still dark. She came when it was yet dark, and where? Unto the sepulcher, and saw the stone rolled away. Then she ran to Peter and the other disciples, whom Jesus loved. That's John. (laughs) That the Holy Spirit gave him to write about himself. I'm sure he wrote that pretty quick. They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we knew not where they laid him. And then Peter ran in there, and both the other disciples, and they stooped and looked in. And then they saw the linen clothes wrapped in a place. Even the clothes were in a place. Notice that? Everything was in its place. Interesting. Then went in also the other disciple, which came first. This is John. And he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture, 
that he must rise again from the dead. You mean he never taught him that? Well, didn't he teach him that in John 11, 25 and 26? I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me will never die. Didn't he? Well, why does it say that there? Well, because they doubted. It's not that they didn't know, they doubted. They doubted. So, what happened as, as a result of that? Then, okay, what happened? They believed. Okay, then the disciples went away again into their own home. Well, as far as they're concerned, it's over. We must settle for this. We can only go so far in our Christianity because that's as far as we're taught. So everything about us then is, okay, we're going to go home until we go to heaven. How many believers live that way? Scores of them. They went away unto their own home, but Mary stood without the sepulcher, and here she is weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked in. She saw the angels, and guess what they said? Why, do you, why are you weeping? She said unto them, because they've taken away my Lord. And I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said thus, she turned back, and of course that's when she, she didn't recognize Jesus until he said her name, like no one could say her name. And what a beautiful picture that is, and you see the rest what happened, Right? Tell me, she says in verse 15, where you've laid him and I will take him away. I will take away my dead Christ. <laughs> How many are taken away by that? They're a dead Christ. Dead. Dead. Seems in my time and in the monotony of my schedule and all this, it seems, this thing seems so dead. So dead. Well, she turned back and then she saw him. She said, he said her name. Then he said, touch me not. And it doesn't say that. Stop grasping and holding me. Sin will teach. No, he was pure and you couldn't touch it. because No, no, her sins were dealt with. She's pure with his purity. He says, you just can't keep me and hold me to yourself. You know, there's some that think they can, they can have their Jesus and it's just between them and Jesus all by themselves. They don't need anybody else. Just come when you have to. <laughs> oh Lord Jesus help us anyway Jesus said stop grasping and trying to keep me here for I am not yet ascended to my father but go to my brethren and tell them I ascend unto my father and your father to my God and your God the Jews they're all shut up in there we see in the 19th verse Jesus walks right through remember he walked right through that hewn tomb of stone he walked right through death couldn't keep him he walked right through it Death didn't take him. He gave himself over to it. And he walked right through it. Right here, it says the doors were shut. Did that keep him from entering in? You know, we <laughs> thank God for his grace. In so many ways, we shut him out because of fear. And he comes right through and meets us. How many different times? And the disciples were assembled for fear. That's what brought them together. Not fellowship, but fear. Get together and express your fears as Christians. Instead of this trusting, believing, non-doubting prayer, because he said so, he stood in the midst and said, peace unto them. Then he showed him his hands, his side, and he said, peace unto them. And he gave them the ability to teach Christ, to share Christ. And whosoever sins you remit. And in other words, whoever, when you preach Christ, you receive him, their sins will be dealt with. If they refuse it, obviously they're not. That's the proper interpretation here. It's not a special class of people, like some will teach. 
The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I will see. He's talking to Thomas. Thomas is a a type of Israel. Until they see him, and they will in Revelations 1-7. Behold, he comes with the clouds, and every eye will see him, and they which also pierce them, nation of Israel. And they'll mourn. Oh my God, it's him. He's our savior. He's our king. He's our prophet. He's our everything. Okay, and Thomas says, like most of Israel, Israel today, the Jews today, precious people that I know around here, even at GB Eats, they say, (laughs) this specific individual that I love deeply, until I see him, I will not believe. I have to, I gotta have evidence. That's why 1 Corinthians 14, 22 signs are not for, uh, for believers, but for them that believe not. I won't believe. After eight days, again, his disciples were within. Of course, eight speaks of resurrection. Thomas was with him, then came Jesus. The doors again being shut, he stood in their midst and said what? Peace. We're shut in. We don't believe. We're fearful. And he comes. What does he speak? Peace. 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 I'm in control. Peace. I have all authority. I have all exousia. I have all authority, all power, all ex- everything is in me that you need. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I'm going to close with this. I know I went long this morning. So you have to just forgive me, please. Finally, in Revelations chapter 5, I saw in verse 1, I saw on the right hand of him, isn't that interesting? Saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne, a book written within, and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. Oh boy. Those aren't for us, but you'll see who they're for. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Oh God, who is worthy to open the book? Who's worthy? Who's worthy? You know, Job said in Job 14, 4, you know, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? He said, not one. You know how many doubt that? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? He also said, if a man die, in Job 14, 14, if a man die, will he live again? We have the resurrection. Christ is our life in Colossians 3, 4. And I saw a strong angel who's worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And look what it says, no man in heaven. Nope, in all of heaven. How many are there? Multitudes. Nor in earth, neither under the earth. How many are in hell? was able to open the book, neither to look thereon, and I wept much. Here's the apostle, he's weeping again. Remember what, what Mary was doing? She was weeping. Because no man was found worthy to open the book and to read it, neither to look therein. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four Beasts is not as because they were creatures, these were angels, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, freshly slain, having seven horns, complete power, and seven eyes, knowing everything, which are the seven spirits of the God sent forth and of God sent forth on all the earth. And then you can see the rest. Worthy is the Lamb. He's worthy. He's worthy. We don't have to look for in for worth. We don't have to look for in with peace. We'll never find it there. We never have to look anywhere else for where our worth is located. It's in Christ. We don't have to look anywhere else where 
where our peace is because it's a love that's completed everything about us. So, Father, thank you this morning. Thank you for the scriptures. We just pray you make them so real to us. In Jesus' name, amen.